0: we would be ready to go again. But our mom would go down and she would pick up the clothes that we wore and empty out the pockets, all the little fancy rocks and all the <clears throat> all the other stuff we collected. And she didn't empty it all out and she would put our pants in the washing machine. And by that afternoon, she'd be breaking out with poison ivy. Start up her arms. If she touched her face, it'd be on her face. Say, Brother Casey, oh, that's terrible. We didn't know. We didn't know what was wrong with mom. She just had on more makeup next time we went to church. <laughs> okay. We didn't know she was miserable until I got to be, I don't know how old, close to 40, and got poison ivy for the first time, had it all over my body uh, from using a weed eater and throwing it up on me but I can't think of a root of bitterness causing somebody else to be defiled without thinking of us running through the poison ivy and not thinking anything about it and it hurting my mother so badly. A root of bitterness causes us to often to not respond to people properly. Instead of being able to respond with kindness, Somebody says something, and we immediately assume that they meant something ugly with it. And we snap back. We tend not to act. We just react to everything and everybody. And people can't figure us out. That's what he's talking about here. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And we don't want to fail of the grace of God lest there be any fornicator, verse 16, or profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Now what's the birthright? That's the, birth, that's the inheritance of the oldest son. There's two boys. The oldest son gets two-thirds and the youngest son gets one-third. And Esau, he comes in from hunting. He's starving, and his brother has these lentils. I say, what's that? Bean soup. Bean soup. And it's seasoned just right, and the smell of it—probably had goat meat in it—and the smell of it was wafting out through the uh, through the tent and around the camp. And and oh man, by the time he gets there, he is dying of hunger. And he says, "Hey, give me a bowl of that soup." And Jacob says, "All right, give me your birthright." Give me your birthright. Sell me your birthright. You can have it. He said, yeah. It's not going to do me any good if I starve to death. You got it. The thing with him doing that was it was totally disrespectful of his father. It was totally disrespectful of the law of the land. Totally disrespectful of God, who had allowed him to be born first. And God let him sell his birthright for a morsel of food. Whenever we read the word meat, we always think, Meat, meat. You know, steak or some other kind of flesh. Okay? Now, when the King James was translated meat, meat meant food. Okay? So, in the Old Testament, when it talks about a meat offering, it's just talking about a food offering. Okay? For you know how that afterward when he would have inher- inherited the blessing, he was rejected. He not only sold his birthright, but when it came time for his father to give him the blessing, his mother killed, killed, took some goatskins and put it on his brother's arms and sent his brother in with the spicy meat to give to his father. So the father would bless him, and his father said, Man, you smell like Jacob. His father, Jacob, is blind. He said, You smell, or he, Isaac, he said, yeah. He's blind. He can barely see. Can't make out the difference between them. And they're in the darkness of the tent. He would have had trouble seeing him. And uh, Jacob comes in and and he says, uh, "You smell like Jacob," but he reached out and touched his arm and said, "But you're not. (laughs) That's Esau's arm. Here, you rascal." And so he gave Jacob Esau's blessing. Why? Because Esau didn't care about the birthright. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance. Though he sought it carefully with tears, Now, when we think of repentance, we think about uh, changing our minds and turning from sin and turning to God. That's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about changing his mind. He found no way to change his mind because he had already sold the birthright. There are decisions we make in life where we have to live with the consequences You can't go back and change it. As sad as that is, it is so often true. It's not God's will. For a lot of things to happen that happen. just a natural consequence of sin. And we have to live with it. And he goes on and he says in verse 18, For you have not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness, and darkness, and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet. And the voice of words, which voice they that heard, entreated that the words should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. You see what's he talking about here? He's talking about when Moses led the children of Israel across the Red Sea and led them up to Mount Sinai. And they got to Mount Sinai. And God told Moses, now, you set a guard around this place and don't let anybody or any animal come to the mountain. If they touch the mountain, kill them. And Moses went up the mountain. And the mountain was on fire. And he was enveloped in this dark cloud. Now, we can imagine that today because we've seen volcanoes. And that appears to be what he's talking about here. But while he is up there, God speaks. And the people hear his voice. And they tell Moses, Moses, whatever God says, we will do. Find out in Exodus chapter seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. 18, Moses, whatever God says, we'll do. Only you talk to God for us. scaring us to death. It says, And if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. So terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. And God's saying now to the Hebrews, You haven't come to Mount Sinai again. That's not where we are. Verse 22, But you are come to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Why does he bring up Abel again? Because Abraham brought the right sacrifice. He brought a lamb. And God accepted it. But God's not accepting the blood of goats and sheep anymore. He's not accepting the blood of bulls and goats anymore. No, His Son gave us the new covenant, the new testament, the new will. And then He made Himself the executor of the will and He died and rose again so that we could get our inheritance. And the writer says, see that you refuse not Him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Did you get that? They wouldn't listen to the voice of God on earth. And they ended up dying in the wilderness because of it. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't you refuse the Word of God, the voice of God. How shall we escape if we turn away from Him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth? But now He hath promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more signifying the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. That paints a picture for me that I'm not sure I can paint for you. But let me try. God says, look at the Old Testament and see what I did to those people that wouldn't listen to my word and wouldn't obey me. And then look around. Because my word has not changed. One of the reasons I'm not interested in new translations of the English Bible is because God's Word has not changed. And people say, but Brother Casey, the the King James Version is too hard to understand. That indicates to me that they're not willing to get a good dictionary and look up the words. They used to call that education. I don't know what they call it now. But if I didn't understand a word in 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th grade, and I asked the teacher, what does that mean? They all said the exact same thing. Look in the... One kid in our class asked the teacher, "Uh, I don't know how to spell that word. And she said, look in the dictionary. And he said... Don't you have to know how to spell it to find it in a dictionary? (laughs) Yeah, you do. But Wow. God's Word has not changed. And we are not going to receive a kingdom that was shaken and removed. That's why the Jews hadn't been in the land for the last 2,000 years. Since 70 A.D. Almost 2000. Why? Because God told them. You disobey me. You don't listen to my word from heaven. You don't listen to what the prophets tell you. And I am going to send your enemy in. And they're going to take you out of here. And I'll scatter you across the face of the earth. It happened in 586 B.C. And it lasted until 516 B.C. when they were allowed to come back to Jerusalem, a small group, rebuild the tabernacle, excuse me, rebuild the temple. And when they got it rebuilt, the old people who had seen the, tabernacle, the temple that Solomon built, they just sat down and cried and said, oh my goodness, this is such a pitiful little thing. How can we ask God to move in there, here, meet with us here? This, oh, wow. But he did, and they had 500 years in the land to commit themselves to worshiping and serving God, and they didn't do it. And so, 70 A.D. Poof, he scattered them across the face of the earth again. 1917, they start coming back. Few here, few there. 1948 they became a nation and now the Arabs are attempting to drive them out of their land but only God can drive them out And God says to us we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved Let us have grace. Let us recognize grace. Because if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God, every morning we'd be dead during the night. Whereby we may serve God acceptably. Have you ever considered whether or not your service to God is acceptable? How do you make it acceptable? With reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And I'm going to quit there. But if you want to know what that means, go to First Corinthians chapter 3. And look at what Paul says about all of our works will be tried, though as by fire. And it will be wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones. And you put them in the fire, and those things that are precious come out, purified. Everything else gets burned up. And quite honestly, when I get to heaven I'd like to have something that remains so I can offer it to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's my creator and my saviour. He's the holy God, and he is a consuming fire. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, dismiss us with your love. Help us to accomplish in these next three or four days exactly what you have for us to accomplish. Help us to be able to hear clearly the voice from heaven as it speaks through your word and speaks through your Holy Spirit in the quietness of our hearts. And, dear Lord, Cause us to obey it with reverence and godly fear. And we will praise you and thank you for what you do in this church, in the hearts and lives of these people. We pray for Sunday. If you haven't come back yet, then do, Lord, show yourself strong on our behalf. Bless the kids and the others who have decided they're willing to follow the Lord in believers' baptism on Sunday. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. God bless you.